Uh, we are continuing our sermon series in the book of Acts. And we uh, started off the book of Acts, we divided it into three sections, into Acts in Jerusalem, Acts in the second part here, in Judea and Samaria, and then the last is Acts in the ends of, to the ends of the earth. So we're in this section right here, and DJ and I have talked about this before, and, and, and we've decided that, that Acts of the Apostles, as it's, as it's traditionally called, is more accurately represented by Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because the apostles, they change and, and they come in and out and we read about a little bit something happening over here and a different apostle happening here. But what really happens is Jesus and the Holy Spirit are moving throughout the whole book. And if you remember at the beginning of Acts, we start off with Jesus just having been raised from the dead, right? Raised from the grave. And he spends this time with his disciples teaching them all the things that they need to know. And I, I, sometimes I'm just um, bemused because it's one sentence in there that says, Jesus spent 40 days with them teaching. And I thought, what did he teach them? What did he learn throughout those 40 days? How come we don't have anything of that? And then I went, oh yeah, it's probably review, right? You know, it's the review before the quiz, right? You know, all those things I taught you in, in the, before the crucifixion? Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant by that. Oh, okay, I get it now. So just 40 days reminding the disciples what they needed to know and preparing them for the launching of the church. And that's really what we're talking about here. And if you've got one of these fancy power-up shirts, right, you've noticed that it says Acts 1-8 on the bottom. I see a few of them out there. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what Acts is really about. It's about the spreading of the gospel. It's about Jesus leading his people to share with one another, uh, leading them out through the Spirit to go and join, have people join him in the kingdom, have them join in the new thing that God is doing. And so, uh, to understand where we're at today, though, this, this uh, reference that DJ read from Antioch, we got to back up just a little bit and remind ourselves where we've come, all right? So, this is the, the very quick version of the last six, seven, eight weeks of preaching, all right? Acts so far. Now, if you remember, Jesus spent 40 days with them, then he went up into heaven, he was ascended, right? And then he said, stay here because the Holy Spirit will come and give you that power, Right? So we've got the Spirit coming to dwell in his people. Now, this is a critical part. It's called Pentecost. And I wouldn't change, uh, I want to make sure that you, get, uh, that you understand this, right? Because before, the Spirit restricted itself to uh, the temple, or the Spirit showed up in a few places. But now, the Spirit is dwelling within everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And this is a big deal. This is a change. This is something new that God is doing the Spirit dwells within me and within you and whoever else trusts in the name of Jesus. And Pentecost is the beginning of that. All right? And because of that, uh, if you remember, they, they started to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 2, we've got this beautiful story of a new community being established. The church is born. We've got seeds of what's to come, little sprouts kind of poking up through the soil, right? And we've got them loving one another. We've got them worshiping together, breaking bread together, sharing with everyone who has a need. And the community begins to, to bud out. 
And then, unfortunately, we see some pushback. See, the Jews who thought they finished this whole thing about Jesus with his crucifixion were still upset that the, that the uh, movement had not died out, that the apostles continued to preach in his name. And so it comes to a head with Stephen preaching and being stoned. And above his stoning, we, we see Scripture say that Saul was there approving of this, right? But the stoning, even though they meant it for bad, God used it for good. And because of the stoning, they were pushed out of Jerusalem, out of their comfort zone, and started to go to other parts of the country and other parts of the world and share that good news. So they move out of Jerusalem to share the good news, and we remember Philip uh, was preaching in Samaria and preaching the good news, and people were starting to believe and then we have Saul chasing them down, and so he's on his way to Damascus, and he's, he's chasing down believers of Jesus, and what does he meet? He meets Christ, the risen Christ on the road. And we have the conversion of Saul when he realizes that Jesus was who he says he was, and Saul is such a pivotal point because he wrote like half of the New Testament. He was one of the most prolific uh, preachers of the gospel. He spread the word throughout all of the Roman world. That's a big, important sort of spot there. And then the last piece that I want to highlight is um, a pivotal thing for you and I. And Peter has this vision. And uh, DJ just preached on this. Uh, Peter has this vision of things coming down uh, from the sky, and it's all things that he wouldn't eat. And he said, hey, that's unclean. I won't touch that. And God said, I have made that clean, right? And that vision paired with another vision that Cornelius the centurion had uh, invited Gentiles into the faith. And he said, these people have been made clean as well. These people uh, have the Holy Spirit available to them as well. And that's a big deal for you and I because uh, I didn't grow up Jewish and maybe, uh, maybe you did, but most of us probably didn't. And the fact that the Holy Spirit is now available to us, this is a huge pivotal part in the story and it allows us to be a part of that story as well. And that's where we land in Antioch this morning, which was the story that DJ read. And Antioch is the city where this takes place. And so I know this is a deep history lesson, but hang with me this morning, all right? Antioch serves as a really important crossroads. It's the spot where the western part of the Roman Empire meets the eastern part of the Roman Empire, right? And it's sort of stuck right in the middle. Now, if you go through the middle of the United States, you will find that all the cities are planted near, what, railroads or, or rivers, right? That's where it was an important crossroads for trade and for commerce. And Antioch is the same thing. It's an important crossroad. It was established by the Greeks, so there's all sorts of Hellenistic culture. It's got Greek culture, it's got Greek uh, architecture and religion, but it's very cosmopolitan because there's all sorts of people coming and going, new ideas all the time. And it's in this spot that the uh, Christians, that the, the Jewish believers are pushed out of Jerusalem and find themselves there. And that's where we pick up our story today. All right? Acts eleven nineteen. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. 
All right? So a first group goes out, and they want to tell about Jesus Christ and how he's risen from the dead, but they only tell that to family members, to, to Jewish folks, and they stay comfortable within that family. But Acts goes on, and the next verse says, but some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Hey, they were telling other people, not just Jewish people. They were telling Greeks and all sorts of other people about Jesus, preaching of the Lord Jesus. And then this is my favorite part. And the hand of the Lord was with them. All right? God said, yes, I want you to do that. I want you to tell other people about it. It's not just for the Jewish family. It's for everyone. What I'm doing here is something new. And so you've got Jews and Greeks together, and you've got yourself the first multi-ethnic church, all right? And now, uh, I wanted to sort of uh, help you picture this a little bit, because uh, maybe you don't, it's hard to grasp sort of Jews and Greeks, but maybe have you been to a small town in North Dakota or Minnesota, and you've run into two churches in a small town, and you think, how can there be two churches in such a small town? But you find out that one of them is German, and the other one's maybe Norwegian, right? Have you been to this small town? Or you maybe been to that other small town that has a Swedish church and a Norwegian church, right? We shouldn't cross, apparently. Uh, nobody's ever been to this town. Have you been to these towns? You've seen them out there, right? The same thing is Jews and Gentiles, right? They could have separated and, and established one church here and one church there, but they didn't. They combined it, and they were together. And so word of this reaches Jerusalem, and they send Barnabas, one of their faithful fixer-uppers, to Antioch. And when he came, he panicked. And he said, no, 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 you should be in two separate churches. No. He's, when he came, he was glad. And he exhorted them, saying, to remain faithful to the Lord. And a great many of them were added to the Lord. So he could have showed up, and he could have panicked and said, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Uh, you guys have such different backgrounds. How are you going to live together? How are you going to make this work? But instead, he was excited about what God was doing there. He was excited for this. But he's no, he's no fool, right? He knew that this was going to be difficult, and there was going to be uh, things to deal with. So Barnabas went to Tarsus and looked for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year... They met with the church and taught a great many people. And this is where the disciples were first called Christians. He knew that it was going to be a little bit of a mess, right? You've got all kinds of different backgrounds. You've got Jews who think you've got to live one way and Hellenists who are live a different way and maybe it's confusing between the two of them. And he knew there were going to be uh, problems, that their heads were going to butt on certain things, right? But he brought in Saul and he trained him up and, and he gave him these cards that said power up because he wanted them to know all about uh, the gospel and, and how to grow deeper in their faith. He knew what they were doing and God blessed them, right? And this is where they're first called Christians because God is doing something new. It's not just Jews who are following Jesus and it's not just Greeks who are following Jesus. It's a new family being born, Christians, and because of that, and then the, the scripture goes on and says uh, that there was a prophet that said there would be a great famine. And so they saw a need. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. 
And they did so, sending the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. What God was doing here changed them. And it was something so new that when a need arose, they sent food to others that they would never see again. I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? To pack up food into boxes and send it to people that you've never seen and you'll never ever see. Who would do that? Who would do that? But this was what God was doing, something new here. In fact, Antioch is so important, it becomes the first church to send out missionaries. They send out Paul and Barnabas to uh, preach the good news to the rest of the rest of the world. And it's all because Barnabas said, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I see that God's doing something here, and I'm excited about it. Remain in this, right? And they were were added to the Lord. God continued to move. They had a purpose, a steadfast purpose moving forward. So, how does that work for us? What should we learn from this, right? What's the takeaway? What about atonement? What's our purpose? How do we remain faithful? What's our steadfast purpose that we should remain? Now, if you read that story, you could think, well, they sent off food and need. And we did the same thing, right? We're just coming off of Fargo Pack. And it was amazing, uh, 10 years of, of God being faithful in our community and in our midst. And FMSC was such a high for many of us. And it was such an exciting piece, the way that we could serve. But that's not our purpose, right? It was amazing, but it was something that we did. But it wasn't our purpose. What's our purpose? Does this look familiar? Love God and love people. If you've got one of those power-up shirts, it's on there too, right? When a lawyer came across Jesus and he said to him, what's the most important things? What's the most important commandments? Jesus said there are two. He said the first is you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. These are two important pieces. We learn this uh, from Sunday school all the way up, right? And we hammer on it all the time around here. Love God and love people. But here's the thing that we can't forget. They're in an order on purpose. Jesus said, the first is and the second is. There's a first. The first is to love God. If you put them backwards, it becomes idolatry. If you put them out of order, everything falls apart, right? If Fargo Pack becomes so important to us that it becomes our purpose, then we're nothing but a nonprofit and we do nothing but uh, humanitarian work. But it's not. It's our second. Our first purpose should be to love God. If you love this church building or your church family more than loving God, it's idolatry. If you love uh, helping families, if you love any kind of ministry before loving God, it's idolatry. Loving God is our primary call. It's what we're called to do. It's the first thing that we should be up to. It's the first thing that we should be called to do each and every day. That's prayer and that's worship together. That's submitting our life to God. That's learning from his word. That's, That's the power up piece that we talk about, right? It's for us. Now, sometimes I think that we get confused about this, right? If, if you've ever had a chance to, to let me, this is one of my favorite topics to chew people's ears off with, so if I had this, done this to you, I apologize. But I think we get this confused in the Christian world what 
Christian faith is about, right? Because if you ask sort of the man on the street, woman on the street, what does it mean to be a Christian? They'll probably tell you, well, um, uh, trust in Jesus so you get in heaven, or maybe uh, trust in Jesus to live a better life, right? That's wrong. That's not what being a Christian is about. Being, what a Christian is being about is loving God. That's our primary purpose. See, I think it becomes a question of how we think about God. I think we misunderstand who God is. We think of him as, as some sort of judge sitting on high, uh, wondering about our behavior and with, you know, big giant beard maybe and people surrounding him and kind of an angry look on his face. But that's not who God is. Scripture tells of a God that is far more beautiful and, and stranger than we could ever imagine. A God who is trinity, trinity, trin, I can't talk. God who is a, a three in one. There we go. <laughs> Trinitarian was the word I was going for. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is important. It's an important piece, and it's why the church, even though it's confusing, never backed away from this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit constantly in all of creation, loving and caring for one another. Before time, after time, outside of time, God is fulfilled by the love that it has for in the Godhead himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can't even wrap our minds around that. But if you think about God's motivation, why did he create earth? It wasn't because he was bored. Why did he create us? It wasn't because he needed someone to worship him. He created the heavens and the earth. He created us out of love. God loves, love was so overflowing and creativity was so overflowing that we are the natural response of that love. We are the natural response of, of that love overflowing. C.S. Lewis calls it the dance. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit forever in a dance of love and mutual adoration. And here's the thing. God wants us to be a part of that dance. This is the love God piece. Adam and Eve had it in the garden and threw it away. That's the point of the Adam and Eve story, right? That we threw away, that we didn't want to be a part of that dance. We wanted to be our own God. But God is drawing us into that. And because of what Jesus Christ has done in his death and resurrection, we are reconciled to God, and we are allowed to be a part of that dance. And here's the thing. You can't even imagine the glory of that. Right now here on earth, maybe you get a foretaste of it. Sometimes in prayer I've had foretastes of this, and it's overwhelming. Just the, the presence of God in your life. And I think, Lord, if this is just a foretaste of it, my goodness, what, no wonder we call it paradise, to be with you. I mean, heaven, we all talk about heaven sometimes and we think about floating on a cloud or maybe seeing old friends. If, if that's what you want out of heaven, that's idolatry. If what you want out of heaven is to be with the Lord, that's loving God. And that's amazing. That's something that we can't even imagine. It's something that I want for you, I want for me, and I want for everybody else. Now, do you see now why the message is so important? It's not just about make sure that you're covered before, so you get into heaven, you know? It's not that sign on the highway that says, uh, stay out of hell. 
what the, the message is, is that that dance is available to you. The joy and the peace of being in God's presence is available to us. It's what we were designed for. It's what we were created for. This is loving God. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for the rest of the world. And that's why when you get to love people, it's a change on how you see this, right? It's not a have to. Not it's a commandment, I have to love people to make sure that I can get in heaven. It's, oh my goodness, I'm changed by what God has done for me. And I can't wait to love people to make sure that they know this too, right? Sometimes when I'm talking with people about missions, uh, we get into a debate about, uh, well, should missions be about telling them about God's word and the good news, or should it be about serving and maybe uh, helping to build a school? And I always say the answer is yes, right? It's not one or the other, folks. It's the love of God overflowing to us, and, and they have a need, so we help fulfill the need, and then we tell them about how good God is because they have a need for that too, and they need to know who that is. That's the exciting bit. And so our purpose is not dissimilar to what Antioch's was. And Acts 1.8 verse, again, says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When God comes and dwells within you, when you're loving God, you will receive power to, to be a witness, to say, this is what God's done in my life, and man, you can have this too. In Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But the question is, how does that work out practically? What's our Jerusalem? Well, DJ and I sat and talked about this for a long time. How do we approach this? What's God calling us to do? We've been praying with, about this with the board. Our Jerusalem is the people around you, right? In, in the Acts, their Jerusalem was the people that they already knew. It was family. This is our atonement family. So our Jerusalem is building up our atonement family. This is growing deeper in the faith, making sure that we all realize how much God loves us. This is encouraging, worshiping together. This is the things we do in this building and with one another. Uh, this is caring for adults and singles and married couples and families and young adults and students and kids. This is building up. This is powering up with one another, right? Building up their family. And I brought pictures, because pictures tell a thousand words, right? Here are some of the ways that you have been building up the family. This is the picnic that we do every summer. And it might seem like, well, it's just a picnic. No, we were encouraging one another. We were, we were uh, being God's family together. We meet in small groups. This is one of the small groups that meets, and they're so faithful every week, building up one another. This is the kids' meeting and learning about Jesus through marshmallows, I think. But whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to understand that. Here's them praying to the God that loves them so much at VBS. And here's them singing at VBS. And oh my gosh, if you haven't heard VBS singing, uh, first of all, bring some earplugs and then come because it is overwhelming. This is them praying. This is my life group praying for someone that needed it. And this is what we're called to do. God will answer these needs. Come and pray. 
This is one of Becky's favorite things to do, is baptize kids. She loves inviting them into the family of God so they know how much they're loved. She also hogs all the baptisms, but I'm just saying. (laughs) It's another story, another day, right? (laughs) This is a group of young men who love Jesus and love one another, and they are just amazing young men, and they are the future of this church. This is our confirmation group at, uh, at Eye Point for a confirmation retreat. This is telling them how much God loves them. This is, is planting the seeds for the next generation. The ukulele band leading us in worship. Who knew that a ukulele could be an instrument of the gospel, right? I didn't, but now I do. This is men's morning. These are some of the most godly men I know. They meet each week. They eat a lot, but they also study God's word. And they pray for one another and for this congregation. This is another men's group that meets far too early for me to be involved, but I'm thankful that they meet. They meet at like 6.30 in the morning. That's not working for me. But I'm thankful for these men who are building into this congregation. This is folding friends, serving and encouraging one another. This is the fireside club, having fellowship at Christmas and enjoying one another's company and praying for one another. We're building up the family. They're making sure that we all understand who it is that we can trust and who it is that loves us so much. So if that's Jerusalem, what's, what's our Samaria and our Judea? That's this area right around us. That is the metro area, Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo, Dilworth. That is North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota. Who understands this region of the country better than we do? Nobody, Right? Because we get it. We've, maybe some of us have lived here far too long, but we get it, right? And so we reach out with, with Inspiration Point Bible Camp. We partner with them. We partner with Mount Carmel. We work uh, for people in the area that need help, Cribs for Christ, for YWCA, Next Step North Dakota. Uh, we're partnering with Pulse to spread the gospel again across North Dakota. Um, the impact that we make through the food bank and through um, the Fargo Pack local impact. I mean, we concentrate on how we brought food to other parts of the country through Fargo Pack, but we also had a huge impact on students that came to Pack, on volunteers that saw us living out our faith. This is our Judea and Samaria. It's this area right here. This is BioGirls. This is a program to help young kids uh, with self-esteem at a time when they really need it. And DJ is teaching them self-defense. Um, and I dare not go in the room. But uh, this is our, our reach out every year that we do, a spooktacular and Easter egg extravaganza where we reach out to the community and love them, which allows pastors to do silly things like this, <laughs> like we needed an excuse. That's our Judea and Samaria. It's this area around us. It's the pieces that we can bless here in this community, that we can remind them who Jesus is and how much he loves us. But that's not stopping us, right? Because it's Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What's our ends of the earth? It's actually the ends of the earth, right? And so we reach out in a ton of ways. And I want to point out that a lot of these ways are not something that that, uh, the pastors have established, This is the congregation living out their faith and living out that love for God. Uh, We partner with World Mission Prayer League. In fact, we just sent our resident missionary back to the Congo this week 
he should have arrived, he arrived safely? He arrived safely, I'm happy to report. Um, in the Congo, as he can share that love of God there. Uh, all for Christ, we've got a couple of guys, Ron Sensgard and a bunch of his crew are laying concrete to help lay a new seminary in the Philippines. How amazing is that? And sharing that love. Uh, the FMSC work that we're doing, the food goes out to partners that preach the gospel. They establish a basic need of that food, but then the gospel is preached in those communities. Here, take this. This is from Jesus, right? And we've done work in the DR. In Guatemala, Tom has been to Guatemala like 1,700 times, um, and they've built some incredible things there to share that. Nicaragua, we've got uh, people that have been to Nicaragua to share the gospel there. The Philippines, uh, multiple spots in Africa. Peru, um, um, uh, another place, a bunch of places in South America, Slovakia and Haiti. These are all things that we have done to share the good news with people around us. We've gone to the ends of the earth for that. And that's something amazing. Ascending church, just like Antioch sent off people, we too send off people. This is, uh, this is our confirmation group and, and kids club packing shoeboxes to send them out across the world, right? This were shoeboxes that we sent out to people all around the world to let them know that God loved them. This is our kids on mission in Portland, um, preaching the word of God and sharing that with them. This is people, pack, uh, a group packing at Fargo Pack to send food off. Th this gets me every time. This is our uh, students on mission in Chicago. And part of what they did last year was just pray for people on the street. And it reminds me of the Bible story. I don't have gold or silver, but what I do have, I offer you. Let me pray for you. And they prayed for multiple people that day. And it was a life-changing experience for them, and I hope for the people that uh, received the prayer. And this is in Africa. This is uh, Amy Okeson and, and her family, and the Hansons went to Africa and spent time leading VBS, teaching kids, seeing the food in action out there. Uh, Brody just sitting and playing and hanging out with the kid there and being one another, being the family together. And here's a picture of Guatemala building uh, infrastructure that they need to... Uh, uh, to survive and to thrive and to hear the good news. So why do we do this? Why are we motivated by this? Because it's a hurting world out there. It's a world in darkness. It's a world in darkness. It doesn't know that it needs God. That's the problem with the world. They think they're fine. They think they're doing okay by themselves, but they don't know that they're in the dark. And we have been brought into the glorious light, into the presence of the Almighty. We have been reconciled with Christ. We are allowed to be with him. We are allowed to have his presence in our lives, and it changes us. And oh my goodness, can you imagine how the world would be if everyone experienced that? If everyone knew the love of God in such a way? We have been given the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And God has given us his promise that he will go with us. And he will lead us. So let me do the same thing that Barnabas did when he arrived in Antioch and he saw what God was doing. I see what God is doing in our congregation and let me do the same thing that he did. Let me encourage you to remain steadfast in your purpose. 
to go forth from here loving God first of all and then loving people. That's really what we're called to in these places. And what a gift God has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you have done to reconcile us, for the plan that you had all along to come to earth, to be incarnate, to die on the cross, but to rise again. And in doing so, allow us to partake in that dance, allowing us to know and be reconciled with you. And all we need to do is trust in that, Heavenly Father. Now I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead our congregation to be a part of that new kingdom and to share that good news amongst ourselves in Jerusalem, amongst our community, and to the ends of the earth. These things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.